Well, we come to the ninth commandment, Exodus chapter 20, verse 16. Actually, this is going to be two parts. I'm going to do the introduction this morning, and then next week we're really going to jump into the meat of this uh, particular commandment. There's so much to, to say uh, because we use our words in so many ways and a lot of times very inappropriate ways, and there's much to talk about. So um, we're going to spend a considerable amount of time next week talking about this. Verse 16 says, You shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. Strictly speaking, that ninth commandment was originally focused, as you can tell just by reading it, uh, against perjuring oneself in a judicial trial, not necessarily against other forms of lying and deception. It was only later that this commandment was expanded to include all manner of lying. As you recall, the seventh commandment, which uh, prohibited adultery, Jesus expanded to include all manner of adulterous thoughts. And likewise, the Sixth Commandment against murder, that too was expanded uh, to forbid hatred. So this various, very serious sin of perjury uh, will indeed be broadened to include the whole spectrum of lying, uh, all the sins of the tongue, and indeed there are many, tragically. In fact, in the book of Leviticus, uh, in the, as Leviticus actually comments on, and Leviticus itself expands on the Ten Commandments, we see in Leviticus 19.11 uh, these words, Do not lie, uh, do not deceive one another. So right away in the book of Leviticus, as God begins to expand upon those Ten Commandments, you see then uh, included all manner of lying. In, uh, in, throughout the scriptures, it's, uh, it's very easy uh, to see that uh, God hates lying uh, in any form. Again, in the book of Proverbs, in chapter 12, verse 22, we have these, uh, these words, the Lord detests lying lips. And that word in the detest in the Hebrew is a very strong word. It's not a, very, it's not a mild word. It's a very strong word. He detests lying lips, but he delights in men who are truthful. It is a challenge today to be truthful, is it not? It is an absolute challenge to be truthful. Um, in Proverbs chapter 6, verses 16 through 19, again, uh, there are six things the Lord hates. Seven things that are detestable to him. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked schemes, feet that are quick to rush into evil, a false witness who pours out lies, and a man who stirs up dissension among brothers. Of those seven things that are detestable to the Lord, Two of them have to do with the ninth commandment. Two out of the seven. Very simply, obviously, God cannot stand lying. The reason being is that the very character of God is that of truth. He is emeth, the Hebrew word meaning true and faithful. His very character is the essence of the truth. It is therefore, as the writer to the Hebrews says, impossible for God to lie. 
because his very character is truth. Jesus said simply, I am the truth. And you have, in John 17, 17, God's written word bearing this authoritative seal, thy word is truth. And so again and again and again, from a number of perspectives, we see uh, that God is a God of absolute truth. Any kind of deception, any kind of lie, is an insult to his truthful character. Note that. Any kind of deception, any kind of lie, is an insult to his truthful character. God is the father of truth. And as he is the father of truth, John 8.44 tells us the source of every lie. What's the source of every lie? Satan. Jesus is uh, in, in, a, in a conversation with, and actually he's being uh, challenged once again by uh, the uh, Jewish leaders who are utterly, absolutely convinced that they are of their father Abraham, God is their father. They're making this great profession of faith. And Jesus uh, tells them, no, uh, you belong to your father, the devil. Uh, He's very blunt there. In verse 44 of John chapter 8, he says, you want to carry out your father's desire. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth. For there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language. For he is a liar and the father of lies. So we see that lies have their source in none other than the devil himself. So when we lie, whose language are we speaking? The devil's language. We're not speaking God's language. We're not speaking the language of the Lord. We're speaking the devil's language. He's gotten a hold of us. He's gotten a hold of our heart. And he incites us to lie. Uh, you recall, and we'll see in a few moments, the account of Ananias and Sapphira when Peter confronted them, and more particularly when he confronted Ananias. He said, why is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you lied to God? And so when we lie, we, in effect, use the devil's language. Everything Satan has ever said has been a lie. There is no truth in him. No truth whatsoever. In his first recorded words in the Bible, he lied. Back in Genesis chapter 3, when he was talking to Eve, you recall? And uh, God had told the man, and he had no doubt had, had uh, communicated this to Eve, the, the particular fruit of the tree that they were not to eat from. And uh, God said, the day you eat of that tree is the day you will what? You will die. You will surely die. You'll be separated from me. You'll be separated from yourself. You'll be separated from your neighbor. You'll be separated from everything in your environment. And we've experienced that, haven't we? Because of sin. Separation marks our lives. And at every turn, at every quarter, in every relationship, we we deal with separation. And the devil comes along and tempts the woman, and he says to her, you shall surely not die. When God, in fact, said that they would. So no, he, he lies to her very clearly. But not only does he lie to her, he is making God out to be a liar also when he says, you shall surely not die. 
And instead of becoming wise, you recall when they ate the fruit that they were commanded not to eat, Adam and Eve experienced the evil that disobedience brings. Very simply. Satan even lied to God. In Job chapter 1, God was observing all of his servants and he points out to Satan what a faithful servant Job is. Have you considered my servant Job? However, Satan said about Job in verse 11, stretch out your hand and strike everything he has and he will curse you to your face. Again, that was a lie. Because we saw through the whole book of Job, Job remained faithful despite all of his loss, all of his pain, all of his suffering, all of his tragedies. He remained faithful. He did not curse God. The devil even lied to the Lord Jesus. He took Jesus to a tall mountain, Matthew chapter 4. Showed him the splendor of all the kingdoms of the world. And then he made this offer to Jesus. All this I will give you if you will bow down and worship me. Now, could Satan do that? Could he make this offer to Jesus? Do you think he could really give Jesus all the kingdoms of the world? No, absolutely not. Who do all the kingdoms of the world belong to? God. The earth and all it contains belongs to God. It doesn't belong to Satan. He's a liar. He's a usurper. He's a deceiver. He's a murderer from the beginning. There's no truth in him. He couldn't give the kingdoms of this world to Jesus. It was a bold-faced lie. And Jesus recognized that lie and uh, said, Away from me, Satan. Satan is a liar. Satan is a liar. And beloved, every time you and I tell a lie, we are speaking his language. God forbid that we should speak his language. Would you agree with me? Now, in contrast to God's hatred for lying... Does God hate lying? Detestable, right? In contrast to God's hatred for lying, people today possess a very casual, if not flippant, attitude about lying. The attitude very simply is, hey, everybody does it, everybody lies, so what? No big deal. It's just it's not hurting anybody. And we rationalize our lies, don't we? We find reasons. Well, I, I have a good reason not to... I just kind of cut the corner. It's a little white lie. It's not going to hurt anybody. No big deal. How many expect to be lied to? <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. That's why we've developed such a skeptical, cynical nature in our culture. Do you believe TV advertisements? <laughs> of course not. Of course not. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. You, you expect to be They're just going to lie to you. Make promises they can't fulfill. We suspect that these marketing experts are just lying again when we see these TV commercials. A number of years ago, there was, a, I thought, a very, very clever television commercial uh, for the Isuzu automobile. Anybody remember Joe Isuzu? <laughs> it was great. <laughs> I mean, you talk about the obvious, right? Here's Joe Isuzu looking right into the camera with a great big smile, and he proceeds to lie outright. He'd say, you can get a brand new Isuzu for $9.95. It'll go 300 miles an hour. If you buy right now, you'll also get a brand new house in the bargain. And on the screen, you'd see these words superimposed over his image. He's lying. 
But he would just continue on to get 600 miles to the gallon. Of course, we know he's lying. But their point was, so is everyone else. At least they're admitting it. And the commercials didn't last that long anyway. In a book that came out in the early 90s, the title of which, The Day America Told the Truth, What People Really Believe About Everything That Really Matters. In that book were these very shocking but not too surprising statistics. 91% of Americans lie routinely or nearly every day. 36% of the people confess to dark, important lies. 86% of children said they lie to their parents. I mean, here you are, you're talking to little Johnny or little Susie, and they're looking at you, sweet little angelic faces, and they're lying right to you 86% of the time. Seventy-five percent of the people say they lie to their friends. That's painful. Thirty-three percent of people work with a resume that reflects a lie. Men lie more than women. That surprised me. Young men lie more than older men. Homosexuals lie more than heterosexuals. This is an interesting one. Catholics lie a bit more than Protestants, but both lie more than Jews. (laughs) Unemployed people lie more than those with jobs. The poor lie more than the rich. Liberals lie more than conservatives. (laughs) I have no problem with that one. Here's a tragic statistic. 31%, only 31% believe honesty is the best policy. 69% of the people don't even, don't, even, don't even believe that. That is tragic. The bottom line is that the majority of us find it hard to get through the week without lying. And when we do refrain from lying... It's less often because we think it's wrong than for a variety of other reasons. Among them, certainly, is the fear of being caught. In other words, we, we don't not lie because we, we, just, we just don't want to get... It's not because we, we believe it's flat wrong. We lie to just about everyone. And statistically, the better we know someone, the likelier we are to have told them a serious lie. Even in our discipleship groups, one of the questions we ask, amongst the questions we ask, after we go through a litany of questions and uh, hold each other somewhat accountable, we say, now are you telling the truth? (laughs) Because it's easy to fudge, it's easy to cut corners, it's easy to lie. Psalm 58, verse 3. Even from birth, the wicked go astray. From the womb they are wayward and speak lies. 
We don't have to teach our children to lie. They do it naturally. <laughs> they just do it naturally. It's sweet little things. We have a whole, whole group of brand-new little babies, adopted ones and brand-new born to the families and stuff here. And, and those sweet little things are in their little rockers and bassinets and cradles, and you just go, ooh, ah, ooh, ah. They are just waiting to lie to you. <laughs> Don't be taken in by those sweet little coos. We have to teach them to tell the truth. We have to train them to tell the truth. We have to discipline them so they will tell the truth. And even then, there's no guarantee. Honesty requires, I think, that we Christians admit that lying has also been a problem for the church. Tragically, we are no different in a lot of ways from the surrounding culture. We've come in out of that culture. All of us have gotten saved from that culture. But nonetheless, we bring baggage with us into this new environment, into this new life that we live as Christians. But that baggage should be falling off of us. We should be turning from it. The Apostle Paul even had to exhort believers in the new century, in the first century church. In the book of Colossians, in chapter 3, verse 9, he writes, Do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices. He reminds them who they are now, who they were. They were non-believers. They lived with this old self. You're no longer the old person. You are a new creation in Christ, and you have put off those old practices. Remember that. And so part of those old practices was lying, and now we are no longer to lie. But candidly, we have to confess that today the, the, the disease of lying, if you will, the moral disease of lying still flourishes in the body of Christ. Knowing that, what is the fate of liars? Well, lying is such a minor thing. It's not a big deal. So it's not like uh, rape or murder or idolatry. Lying is, you know, it's just not that big a deal. Well, what, in fact, is the fate of liars? Anybody ever told a little white lie? Don't, hold, don't show your hands. Don't show your hands. <laughs> How about a medium gray lie? Or possibly a big black lie? You see, it doesn't matter the color, does it? God hates it. He simply hates it. To see how seriously God considers lying, look with me at Revelation chapter 21, verse 8. The cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, those who practice magic arts, the idolaters, and all what? All liars. Their place will be where? In the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. Very clearly we see the kind of sinners with which liars are grouped. It's not some minor sin. It's not some minor infraction. This is very serious. Lying. 
God is so offended by lying that he ranks it with murder, sexual immorality, idolatry, and the like. Lest you think that it's not a big deal, let me correct that that thought. It is. Every liar, he says, is going to end up where? In hell. In hell. And we are all liars. We are all liars, and what we deserve is eternal separation from God in a place called hell. That's what we deserve. But here's the good news. God loves you so much that he sent Jesus to die for your lies. Somebody say hallelujah for that one. Amen. You see, that's the only way a liar can go to heaven. The only way a liar can get into heaven is if they come to God in faith and in repentance. They confess their sins. God is faithful and just to forgive those sins and to cleanse that liar of all unrighteousness and give that person a place, a home in heaven forever and ever. However, if one goes through life making excuses, trying to justify their lying, that person is headed for a bleak, bleak destiny. One day they will wake up, stand before the throne of God, and hear the judgment for a liar. You recall the story of Pinocchio? I remember Pinocchio. What was Pinocchio noted for? When he lied, his nose grew longer every time. And that effect, though embarrassing, was actually a blessing in disguise. Pinocchio and everyone else knew immediately when a lie had been told. There was no doubt. You just knew immediately. Now, we experience a resource uh, akin to that as Christians, the indwelling Holy Spirit. Every time we tell a lie, there is a ooh, 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 a pain, a conviction, an awareness, an alerting, a signal that we've just lied If you are a true Christian, you have to deny or suppress the spirit of truth every time you tell a lie. You have to suppress him. You have to deny him every time you tell a lie because he is there to signal and to keep us walking with the Lord. In Acts chapter 5, we see an example of this in Ananias and Sapphira. This couple was a part of the early church in Jerusalem. And as you know, the believers uh, in Jerusalem were giving money to meet each other's needs. And during this early church stewardship campaign, Ananias and Sapphira also, not wanting to be left out, wanted to contribute, sold a piece of property. And Ananias came and laid part of the proceeds of that sale before the apostle Peter. And he said, this is the money from the property we sold. This is the full amount. Now, he was only telling part of the truth. He was, in effect, lying, wasn't he? Now, he and his wife actually kept back part of the sale. Ordinarily, that would have been fine. Sell a piece of property, you can keep back a portion of it and bring the rest if you so choose. But at least say that. But Peter said, no, here's, or I mean, Ananias said to Peter, here's the whole amount. Knowing full well, they kept back a portion. 
Peter said to Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit? You've not lied to men, but you've lied to God. At that moment, what happened to Ananias? Died, just fell over dead right there. Sometime later, his lovely wife Sapphira came in. She was out shopping, (laughs) garage sailing. (laughs) And not knowing what had happened to her husband, she came in. She told the same lie what happened to her. She died on the spot also. This shows how seriously God deals with those who lie to him. He takes it very, very seriously. This was an object lesson to the early church. It was critical that the church be pure. They were meant to be a testimony to the culture around them. And any lying, any foothold the devil could get into the life of the church would destroy that testimony. Beloved, we're all sinners. We're all liars. However, if we love God, we will love the things that God loves. If we love God, we'll hate the things that God hates. God loves the truth. We would be lovers of the truth. God hates deception and lies. And if we love God, we hate deception and we hate lies. So here's a little check for us throughout the day, throughout the week. When you're tempted to lie, when you're tempted to look better than maybe you think you do, when you're tempted to gossip, when you're tempted to insinuate something about somebody else, however it is, and we're going to look in greater detail next week, into the ways in which we lie, the reasons which we lie, and the, and the consequences of our lies. But when you're tempted, stop just for a second and say, God, I love you. I love the things you love. I hate the things you hate. Lord, I'm not going to uh, fall prey to this temptation to lie. I'm going to tell the truth. I'm going to tell the truth. How many of you hate to be lied to? I mean, it's one of the most despicable things. When you know someone is not telling you the truth, you're saying, just tell me the truth, and you know they're lying to you. That is the most grievous, disheartening thing, isn't it? Now, if you know, if, you, if, if, if it grieves your heart, and you hate being lied to, Just magnify your own feeling by 10 trillion billion and try to imagine, if you will, if even possible, the grief it causes God's heart when we lie, when we speak the devil's language. Let's covenant here and now this morning to work hard at not lying, shall we? Shall we covenant? Shall we say, Lord, put a guard on my mouth Lord, help me to remember to love you more than anything else so that I will love the things you love and I'll hate the things that you hate. That when tempted to lie, Lord, I will resist that temptation. I will be a person of the truth. Should we covenant for that? Amen? Amen. Lord, thank you. We love you this morning. Father, as we anticipate uh, this week and as we covenant together, as we agree, as we say amen, Lord, we ask you to help us, strengthen us, so that, Lord, we are not liars, we will not lie, we will not color the truth, we will not justify lying in any way. God, open our eyes by your Spirit, 
to the ways and the, the myriad of ways in which we do and we have fallen prey to that temptation. Guard us, O oh God. We need your strength. We need your help. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I've gone a little short this morning because we're going to make up for it next week. Aren't you excited? <laughs> Be here early next week. All right? Let's stand together and give God praise before we dismiss. <laughs>